Listen in to find out how you can have a paperless pharmacy. Plus, I interview Dr. Mona Sura and find out what happens when an engineer gets frustrated waiting for his pharmacist girlfriend. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only show and podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all the tools, all the insights that you need to start building your smarter, more successful 21st century pharmacy before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours. And what a big week and what a big show we have for you today. We spoke about James and Connie the robots and their romance last week. We've got another little story coming to you very shortly from Dr. Mona Sura about what happens with an engineer student decides that he got sick and tired waiting for his girlfriend. It's a fantastic story. I look forward to bringing that to you. But I wanted to talk a little bit about our global fever. It is World Cup fever. 33 countries, we could have a World Cup of our own, of all of our listeners. So welcome to everyone from all the corners of the globe that are listening to this transformation show, episode 15. I cannot believe we're up to 15. It is remarkable. Just going back on a couple of episodes, and actually 12 episodes, I've noticed that quite a lot of our our listeners are listening to episode 3 again. And that was one, if you remember, we spoke about communicating with your team by podcasts, team meetings, and perhaps even online surveys as well. So I'd love to build on that and uh, roll something out to you. Um, And I'm going to put a poll up on the blog site this week as well around what is your biggest challenge in communicating with your team? Is it attendance? Is it attention span? Is it time, content, strategy? I'd love to know about it and we'll build on that in the coming episodes as well. I'm going to throw up a mystery prize. I'm not going to tell you you what it is because I'm too too excited to tell you quite frankly so there's going to be a prize for the top three responses to those as well so please send those along um, it will be in a poll um, so put your entry down for the poll but please either tweet me or send me an email at rszter at farmactive.com.au with your response and what your biggest challenge is and uh, if you're in the top three, you'll be taking away a fantastic prize, uh, which I can tell you about in a couple of weeks' time. I look forward to hearing it. I bring up communication as a topical issue because I'm going to be giving a workshop on how to communicate effectively with your team in only 20 minutes a week. Believe it or not, it can be done. And that workshop is going to be held at the Pharmacy Business Network in September as well in Melbourne. Um, And uh, it's going to be a fantastic event. I've been really wrapped to be talking about it with Marion and and Anthony for quite a number of weeks. And I can't wait to bring that to you. So I hope that I can see as many of you as possible at the event. Also, just to follow up on episode seven, when we're talking about drones, I'm going to be following up with Joshua Ziering very shortly to see how their launch of Quickie is going in San Francisco when they kick off in July. We don't have a date. They're keeping it all very mystery, very hush-hush. I'm going to get right to the bottom of it and hopefully get some footage to show you how the first 
pharmaceutical got delivered by a drone from pharmacy to patient doorstep. I think it's remarkable. And if you're interested as well, I have done a follow-up article in Retail Pharmacy, which will come out in July 2014. So lots to look forward to there. Our interview today is with Dr. Mona Sura. She's a long-time health researcher and currently is in the role as a key account manager for Goldman International in Australia and New Zealand. She's not a native English speaker, so go easy. Uh, I'm sure we'll get a lot out of it. Dr. Mona Sura, uh, welcome to the Transformation Show. Thanks, Robert. It's very nice to have me here. Great. Uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, Mona, uh, our pharmacy owners and part of our show is to obviously include as many technology partners as we can. And obviously, we're looking at technology partners who are going to help our owners to plan, implement, train and maintain their products and services in their pharmacy. But before we get going, I, I'm really interested if you could share with our listeners um, how you got into pharmacy. Um, I know that you've had a, a, a role at a long-time health researcher role, but also how did you get into pharmacy in your current role and um, what have you seen and how are you seeing our industry at the moment? Well, I got into this role uh, basically by accident because being a researcher in the public um, universities or, yeah, I, I, I usually was in university, Otago University in New Zealand. Funding and an earthquake didn't really help um, with long-term research planning. So then I got approached by Goldman uh, in Germany because I'm moving a bit backwards and forwards. And um, they asked me if I could help them uh, re-establishing the Goldman brand in Australia. And uh, to be Absolutely frank, uh, I do have a private personal connection to Goldman. My brother is the co-owner there, so that's how I got into the job. Yeah, absolutely. And can you tell our listeners if we haven't uh, already covered off, and the, it may be a burning question of some of ours. Um, you know, Goldman did have a, a checkered history in the past, and as it was Goldman Bow. Um, I guess what what did uh, what has Goldman learnt from that experience, and um, you know what what has changed over the years. Well, Goldman had to go in Australia um, by a distributor originally, and uh, it uh, initially we were really happy with the late Jenny Milner, but after this tragic death, um, we went with distributors, with other distributors, and um, yeah, this didn't work too well altogether. It also has to do with a mental problem because you're so far away in Germany uh, to Australia. It really is more complex than just pointing the finger or so. So Goldman has learned um, its lesson, I would say, and have decided to buy back the business and now dealing directly in Australia. And that's one of my roles as well to um, assure our existing customers, but also future customers that we are here for the long run and with a lot of commitment. Okay, and I, I guess the the only touch that um, pharmacy owners in Australia was with the previous brand. But uh, what has Goldman, as a company globally, been been up to in the last five or six years? And um, you know what what's been happening in I guess uh, Germany and other countries. Yeah, the main market, of course, um, for most um, of the industry in the automation sector is is Europe, and it's a, it's a very competitive market. And uh, Goldman had to face 
of course uh, its own growth and its own development and readjust and make sure it's sustainable. And this was where the major focus was in the last couple of years. Uh, but we have established this. We are now number two in, uh, in Europe. In customer satisfaction, we're actually number one this year for the first time. And we are very proud of this. And we want to expand, but slowly. And we want to make it right. Yep, absolutely. And I guess what what are you seeing in European pharmacies? Obviously, there's a you know historically and also from the stories we hear, there's um, a greater uptake of pharmacy automation in their pharmacies. Um, what are they doing differently to us? And I guess why do you think um, they've embraced uh, pharmacy automation more than perhaps uh, we have at this stage? Well, there's again, there's probably a um, couple of reasons. It's never a, an easy one, but automation rate now is at about 30% and it's growing at least 5% a year. So it's quite substantial. Um, <coughs> of course, there's also, um, there are more brands out there in, uh, so there are quite good Italian brands as well. Um, so it's very competitive and the competitiveness, of course, as you know, comes with pricing. So the pricing has been quite, I think, a significant catalyst for pharmacists to think about it. And then there's all the other pressure. I mean, the, the, in Europe, pharmacists facing the same pressure as you do, this falling margins and, yeah, having to play different roles now, more consulting, uh, less just dispensing. Mm, no, absolutely. And, and certainly the pharmacy layouts that we've seen from European pharmacies can be very different and stark different to what we see in Australia. But what, if you had to name maybe one or two key benefits of automation products that are happening in Europe and pharmacy owners embracing them there with a much higher rate than an adoption over here, uh, what, what are the main benefits that they're seeing at the moment? I think the main benefit is um, transparency and looking at the whole process like involving wholesale and e-prescription like going right through and the other thing lots of people um, in Europe with smaller pharmacies um, have taken up is really the savings they can do in rent and uh, footprint and presenting other products so so I would say that what all of the um, brands are claiming that uh, footprint, um, space, time saving, all of this is now so such a urgent need, I think, if you want to stay competitive, that the uptake has been much quicker. And uh, one more point is probably the interfacing with all the point of sales software and wholesale is uh, much more advanced, I would say. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, in our interview several weeks ago um, with Robert Allen, we probably just scratched the surface on it. But I guess, what is the wholesale of pharmacy arrangement, particularly in relation to pharmacy automation products over there? Well, I think I'm not an expert in this area, I have mm. to say. But what I know is that um, there is this this flow, the process flow uh, from wholesale. And I think you, you really uh, did mention a little bit about a flip and uh, the delivery comes in at night and gets sorted into the system and yes. it's ready in the morning. That's really... Uh, what people expect now from the wholesale. So they're putting demand on the wholesalers, which uh, is something um, 
Australian pharmacists might still have to get used to. Mm, no, absolutely, absolutely, and I, I guess, um, and, and again, if you can't answer it, that's that's fine. But was that a driven initiative from the wholesaler? Do you think, or coming from the pharmacies themselves? Coming from the pharmacies themselves, mm. um, because we don't uh, in Europe. It's not so much the brands, you know. It's more independent pharmacies, and they have then a quite um, close relationship to their wholesalers. So it it was driven by the pharmacists. And I could see the same here being doing by the brands, I would say. But, uh, yeah, that's, mm. I'm not an expert. No, absolutely. And even anecdotally, were, were there some cost savings, do you think, at the wholesaler end from entering yes. into that? Yes, there certainly is some cost savings. So they are in an interaction. And uh, for both sides, I think it is beneficial. Absolutely. And we do have some industry leaders and wholesaler representatives in our audience. So <clears throat> guys, take note. Um, there is a role for you guys to play with this as well. So Mona, with um, where, where Goldman sits and obviously coming back into Australia under Goldman International, um, how are you keeping pharmacy owners up to date with what's happening at Goldman International and uh, how can they learn more about um, your products? Well, we are, of course, at all the big fairs. We, we haven't been with the system at the APP last year. This was because of all the transition. But we will be next year. Um, we are at all the big fairs in Europe, of course. Uh, we do newsletters. Uh, in Europe, we have user groups, and I would like to establish this in Australia as well, which is a bit of a distance problem, but it's actually quite a good concept, I think. Uh, at the moment, it's probably very uh, regaining trust in talking personal to people. Um, we had some advertising campaigns in the Australian pharmacist, and uh, yeah, so we. It's always difficult, but uh, I think we're doing a good job. And uh, first of all, making sure our existing customers uh, are happy and I have to say even through all this difficult time I think we uh, managed to do so and using them as references and uh, getting our modernized products um, and uh, our new developments into the country. Mm, absolutely. And I guess also we've spoken about obviously the higher penetration rate of pharmacy automation in Europe and the higher take-up compared to where we are now. But I guess pharmacy automation really is only maybe the centrepin of what the 21st century pharmacy perhaps should look like in separating your clinical services from your logistics. Um, but I guess why, why, why do you believe um, pharmacy owners could really benefit from embracing technology uh, in building their 21st century pharmacy? Well, we all know there are big changes already here and there are probably more changes coming. Um, as a chemist, I see a catalyst as something which is providing the energy for the next level and um, can trigger chain reactions and whatever. So I just think technology does play this role and it's, it's very complex, as catalysts usually are. They are never simple, I can assure you. Yes. Uh, so it, it's coming from different sides, and I know you're doing a really great job, and actually I wanted to congratulate you on, oh, thank you. Uh, on your uh, mission. And um, I think that's one of the key factors. As we all know, information is 
power these days and technology provides information. And uh, so I think there's no way around it, to be honest. And um, it is just often a bit overwhelming. So trying to sort what's right for for you and for your clients and um, making sure it's the right balance, I think that's one of the major points um, we try to make occasionally. Mm. Uh, but yes, um, technology will play a big role, especially with all the demands which um, are put onto the shoulders of the pharmacists as well, uh, being uh, there as a first stop uh, for patients as a health point. And um, I have to say in New Zealand, we already got some of the regulations there which are have triggered, which have triggered a quite significant change in the pharmacy sector with vaccinations and um, being paid for consulting instead of dispensing. So, yeah, this might um, come the Australian pharmacist's mm. uh, way as well. Mm, no, absolutely. And, you know, as we, as we talk about a lot on this show, um, realistically, technology just creates that ability for us to do a whole lot more with a whole lot less. And, uh, you know, that's a challenge that all of our listeners and every, and every other pharmacy owner who doesn't currently listen to this show would already be experiencing. So in my view, it brings us closer to our patients because, again, even something, even as just having a single step of having pharmacy automation in your product, you're already spending more quality time with your patients than on something that, quite frankly, isn't really going to give your patients any any great benefit by labelling and picking stock and all those types of things. Yeah. So, ab- ab- absolutely. And, uh, Mona, when, when you've been around the country and, um, obviously, you're in Adelaide at the moment and you're visiting um, pharmacies, um, what, what are you seeing there at the moment? Are they ready to take up pharmacy automation? Are there things that perhaps you could recommend that, um, you know, they need to do prior to entering into pharmacy automation? Well, we always talk to them first, of course, and try to do a capacity analysis. And my first question is often how many packages do you have in your dispensary? And you know what the answer is? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's always like this. So, um, no, it is a complex issue and a difficult decision, of course, because it's expensive. And it's not only expensive, it will change the way the pharmacy is run. Of course, we always preach it will be for the better. But we also heard on your show that uh, the pharmacies, yeah, yeah, they always say this and then and, and I do my own thing. Yeah. So I completely understand that. But as a first step, I like structure. So I would say just let's do a capacity analysis. You know, what's your stock? Yeah. What, how, much, how many packages or yeah, SQUs, do you dispense a day? And so we go from there. Then, of course, um, we need a business case because we are business owners and uh, we help uh, with tools like this. Yeah. And, um, of course, the major or the, the second major question I always hear is, ah, will this be so disruptive? And um, if you say, look, it's one week probably, um, which will be a bit difficult for your um, for your business but we'll help and um, 
um, after this week, everything might be calmer and uh, more efficient and transparent and even more gorgeous, then um, it might be worth it. And so you have to address, of course, the issues. Uh, and yeah, people are a bit afraid of a big um, system, which suddenly might be in the pharmacy. And of course, we also heard about refitting and yeah, all these issues. So. I think, um, yeah, education still is number one. Yeah. Um, that's my experience. Yeah. And and then just um, talking about it and addressing um, fears, yeah, and issues. And, yeah. of course, the business case, which is, yeah, very important. Absolutely. And it certainly sounds like, you know, obviously a lot of challenges needing to go back and forth and to find the right thing. And uh, perhaps uh, I guess our listeners aren't aren't aware at this point, but Mona uh, is a master of stage sword fighting when she's not working. And it's, it, does, it does sound like that, uh, you know, this kind of battle of working out what you need and then you providing some information, it does sound a little, a little bit like a, like a battle there. And um, like certainly, um, you know, it is a big, big decision for our pharmacy owners to be making and um, look it's certainly something that um, you know from our show we've tried to deliver some content around all of the different uh, systems in a variety of locations um, you would have already heard from uh, one of our pharmacy owners that we've had on that uh, was in a rural location in other locations so it's really important that we have a balanced view of how we're going to address that but it obviously is a very a very very much a battle when you're approaching pharmacies Yes, it is a little bit, but uh, a friendly budget. Let's put it this way. So, um, it's it's action and counteraction. That's how I like to phrase it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's move on and um, look. I guess um, the existing pharmacies that you've seen in Australia, and obviously coming around visiting them, assuring them that um, obviously everything's different now. Um, but even perhaps overseas in some other pharmacies in uh, Europe and so forth, uh, what what have what have been the uh, the types of technology Goldman's implemented in the last year, and you know what have been some really good stories that you've seen in some pharmacy businesses, either anecdotally or in person? Well, the biggest thing we have probably implemented in the last one or two years is uh, the automated loading in ours um, for our own system. And uh, this was a huge um, breakthrough for lots of pharmacists because they've asked for it. I mean, we've, we've got other things now, bottle handling and refrigeration. That We had this before, but the automated loading was really important because it saves even more time. And uh, and then it also enables this whole process thing I was talking about before. So uh, making this really robust and working well um, was a major key factor. Mm, no, absolutely. And are there any, any any ones where you've seen, you know, more drastic results than you perhaps could have imagined? Yes. Uh, we just had a really interesting um, client in England and um, he was he was the first, he wanted the first Goldman there and uh, he implemented it and it was difficult. The difficulty was again the interface to the point of sales software. And this is something I really want to address. It's not easy and it's not always that you can blame like um, the automation people because it has to come from both sides. And uh, in order to 
fully implement automation, we really need this cooperation with um, the IT providers and from both sides, from wholesale and from point of sale software, and then even more from the e-prescription, but that's not, yeah, it's mostly through the point of sale software. And um, this client, he implemented it, and we spent a lot of time working with the IT provider over there, and he just could not believe that um, it worked so well that he had 15% more scripts in the first three months he had implemented it because people came in and wanted to see the system mm. mainly. And uh, I think that's this was something where you then really... They were really happy and say, yes, it's a good product. And yes, we've implemented it for the client exactly the way. And even exceeding his expectations was really great to see. He was so happy. Mm. And he won the prize for the best pharmacy in England or something like that. Oh, fantastic. Uh, look, it's always, always good to see, obviously, how it can make such a significant benefit to uh, to people as well. Um, and, and obviously, when, when we're looking at automation, it's a big decision. There's a lot of education to get involved. We're yeah. encouraging all of our pharmacy owners to get out to the pharmacies, visit them, have a look at them. You know, we got some great insights from Greg a few weeks ago about, you know, when you're visiting pharmacies, seeing that calm uh, that you do seeing successful implementations is that something that you've seen in, in a lot of these pharmacies where there's been success yes and none of them wants to go back not even one yeah absolutely look it's certainly you know it's a very very drastic change in workflow but the speed and efficiency would certainly uh you know <laughs> certainly not want you to go back any way shape or form i don't think when we're when we're dealing with our uh our bank every day i don't think any of any of us wish we could go back to a branch to withdraw money and uh do our banking uh in person with a teller i think we're all very experienced exactly. in wanting to do that and uh you know, certainly, I think pharmacy is next in that regard. So, no, that's, that's great. And I guess pharmacy owners considering getting their first robot, um, there's obviously going to be some initial or ongoing costs to a, to, a, to a pharmacy owner. But I guess how do you, how do you approach onboarding pharmacy owners? Is, is it something that you're happy to have a discussion about how they can implement one in their pharmacy or do you send them away and get them to work through any particular exercises around their workflow and um, other things that they can do in preparation for a, a robot no we have a no it's it's a trust it's a trust building relationship you have to establish and I think um, of course you have to help them and we have really good experts um, they we do the floor planning, of course, but that's the easy part. The, the main part is exactly what you're saying, uh, to look at the whole process and the workflow. And we do have really good um, specialists in Halle in Germany um, who help with all of this if necessary. I mean, there are lots of um, pharmacists owners like in Europe they don't want it or they don't need it, but that's mm. fine. But we are, we are able to help with all of this because that's exactly what Daniel Gorman, who is the owner and founder of Gorman, yep. um, is, that's his passion. 
he really wants to make sure that his clients get the best out of it. And um, yes, there are some problems with communication and it's always communication. Mm -hmm. But this is exactly what we are striving to do, that the process and the workflow changes um, for the absolute benefit of our clients and our customers. And that's quite challenging sometimes because it's, every case is different but um, we do this analysis like for hospitals when they say can you actually manage our workload could you yeah hmm. so then there are people sitting there and analyzing all those data um, to see if we can and uh, there might be peaks like you know twice a day when it's very high dispense rate or whatever and then we work around with the workflow in order to change that and make sure um, we can actually deliver and if we can't then we wouldn't go forward. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely and you touched on uh, Dan Daniel Goldman, um, is he a pharmacist himself? No, he's an engineer um, with slash um, MBA slash process analyst and uh, he came up with the idea of the Goldman um, robot which is slightly different to mm. all the others as you know because yep. we're using those compactors and this was his major um, but the story goes that he had a girlfriend and she was a pharmacist and he had to wait for her uh, in order, you know, to do stock taking, uh, she was busy. I, he was sitting there and he said, I can't believe this. There must be another way. And that's how he got around and came up with the Goldman. Mm, a very, very good problem to solve there. I don't think any any patient loves waiting for prescriptions. And exactly. Certainly, uh, you know, again, I'll come back to the banking sector example. We're not really waiting for our money anymore, are we? We're not queuing up. So... Yes, yeah, certainly uh, there's an opportunity there to eradicate waiting time. And I guess taking that a little bit further forward um, with the automation, um, how do you see pharmacy automation working, I guess, in its, in its optimum state? Obviously, at the moment, it's part of a workflow, but uh, in the best possible pharmacy workflow that you could imagine for the 21st century, what would that look like in your mind? Well, in my mind, it's, and again, I'm not an expert, so please, um, it's more anecdotal. In my yeah. mind, it would work like the patient has been to the doctor, uh, the prescription has been sent via a server or a prescription to the pharmacy, um, or in Germany, they come with some sort of uh, piece of paper, but with electronic uh, barcoded on it. and. It gets scanned in one way or the other yep. and um, of course the system starts working, the pharmacist stays with the customer, um, has the consulting job or sells some OTC or I don't know, but mainly makes sure that this boring stuff like, you know, making the person wait, going into the bag drawing from the shelf or wherever. Um, at the same time, there's much more to it than just having the pharmacist in front because I think that's one of the major issues um, 
but you still need to change the attitude. Um, but at the same time, the whole stock management, you like iPads so much, you know, you could even walk with your patient, in my opinion, uh, you could walk with your customers through the pharmacy with your iPad. And at the same time, you touch an, a product on the iPad, you know, it would be dispensed by the system mm. and everything would allow you to stay with your customer. And I think that's what we all talk about, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, so I see quite a, a big um, change in attitude with the implementation of proper automation. But it's, it's a long way. And I think I can't even imagine all the little tiny add-ons which might come because you can't always quantify them. Um, like you, not just the time. I mean, um, Robert was saying in your show, he sees the whole thing as an enabler. Hmm. Um, I don't like it so much because I, to me, the opposite would be being disabled and this makes me a bit, um, that's probably not what he meant, but it, it allows you to, to, to fuse a couple of roads into um, this visit um, and you can educate your customer uh, or your client at the same time being absolutely sure in the back everything is calm, nobody needs to double check and triple check all the paperwork. I mean, that's where I think it should go at some stage, paperless, mm. basically, as well. Yeah, now look, certainly um, with the uh, advent of ERX and uh, MediSecure, uh, we're starting to see, obviously, the uh, the, the barcodes uh, coming in from, obviously, smartphone applications. But uh, look, certainly the, the next logical step there is to actually connect that with uh, with the robot. And that was that was something we also discussed with Robert as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, it just really allows... allows Allows things to flow, um, and uh, rather than have isolated or siloed systems working independently of each other, to get that integration, I think is uh, is really important. And you know, certainly we've already touched on earlier um, in this interview around uh, integration with point of sale and dispense systems. And uh, is that something that you find challenging? It is challenging because there are so many different providers, as you know. Um, and with some, you can really cooperate very well. And with others, it's very difficult. And I'm not saying here the bigger they are, the less, the easier it is. No, it's not. But um, it's, yeah, it has to come from their side as well, Yeah, I think. So maybe your show can help with that. Yeah, look, certainly to get that seamless integrated environment, I think will benefit everyone, our pharmacy owners, as well as our patients, and we can all have a, a far better experience. Um, mate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with my favourite question, which is uh, always, okay. always around game changing. And obviously, we've got, a, we've got your view on what a fantasy automation solution may look like, but this doesn't even have to involve automation. But what would you say is the biggest game changing technology if time and resources were no barrier? that you could see in pharmacies and whether that's something Goldman implements or even just something that you may have thought of on your travels? That's a difficult one. But I really think um, a seamless integration of what is already available um, 
would already be a game changer. So a seamless integration of really good point of sale software, automation, delivery, e-prescription, which is every, it's all there already. This is, I think, um, the biggest game changer, which is here, and uh, it's not used to its full potential yet, but um, it's actually available, and I think it's here. Mm. So, yeah. No, th- thank you. And I guess for some of our listeners who may still be wondering uh, what happened uh, when uh, Daniel Goldman invented the robot for his girlfriend because he didn't <laughs> want to wait. So how did it, how did the story finish? Did uh, did was his girlfriend impressed? And uh, um, is he is he now married to her? Um, <clears throat> no, I think she was annoyed. And no, he's married to somebody else. Oh, okay. <laughs> But uh, he's happily married and just got his second child. So I think it's all fine. Ah, fantastic. Well, look, it's certainly, you know, a great way to start a company, solve a big problem like for patients waiting for prescriptions. It's certainly a great uh, venture to take take a lot of time and build a company around. And, um, you know, it's been great talking to you about that perspective, but also, you know, your own perspective on pharmacy automation. It's been terrific, Mona. Thank you very much, Robert. And keep up your good work. Thank you very much, mate. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Well, I'm sure we'll all agree this was another great addition to our pharmacy automation series here on Transformation. My three key learnings. Number one, romance is linked to pharmacy automation. Tim Shelton told us all about the romance story between Connie and James, but it was great to hear that the first Goldman robot was conceived through Daniel Goldman's frustration of having to wait for his pharmacist girlfriend to dispense prescriptions the old-fashioned manual way. That may not have worked out well, and he didn't end up marrying that particular girlfriend, but uh, it was certainly great to uh, hear that Daniel's going well, and uh, certainly with, uh, with his wife and kids at the moment. But nonetheless, great romantic stories in pharmacy automation. I can't wait to uncover another in our coming episodes. Learning two, integration is a key to seamless workflow. As pharmacy owners, we need to be pushing our dispense and point of sale vendors to interface better with robots and the benefits can include things like live stock take information. We don't have to do rolling stock takes in our dispensaries. iPhone experiences in ordering where a product can be selected by the patient and the robot follows an instruction much the same way as my story a few episodes ago around dominoes where dominoes actually allow you to follow the experience of making a pizza through your iphone app i encourage everyone to download that and go and order a pizza from dominoes i know it's not the most healthy thing they do have some healthy pizzas on their menu mind you however just follow that experience through and see how a patient can hold a service like pizza making in their hands and i believe pharmacy has a big opportunity to do something very similar an apple style retail experience as well having an ipad walking around the store not ever having to leave a patient and perhaps having strategically positioned shoots in our stores What a great way to bring our patient to the centre and not make it all about how our logistics get in the way of actually looking after our patients. Number three, and this I guess puts me on my soapbox again, we're lagging behind Europe. They're at 30% automation adoption rate. We're at less than 5%. We've got the World Cup coming up and 
certainly it's probably right in the middle of it as well. Um, we wouldn't be as competitive with Europe as it when it comes to pharmacy automation. Our Socceroos have made it into the last 32. We wouldn't probably make it into the last 32 if we were doing a World Cup of pharmacy automation. So we really need to get our get our spirit going. You know, I know we're very competitive animals ourselves, and we need to get that into us because they're experiencing the same difficulties as us. We've got some great insights in Portugal from George Tambassas. Revenues are declining everywhere. Operating costs are increasing. Pharmacy owners not having enough time, too stressed out about their current situation. But the European pharmacies are choosing to partner with smart technology. They're building closer relationships with their patients and becoming operationally efficient. I hope we haven't left our run too late to bridge this gap. As a motivated pharmacy owner and a listener to the Transformation Show, you're in the right place. You're already learning how to build your smarter, more successful 21st century pharmacy. But I hope that we can get the word out to all our colleagues before it's too late. Our micro-transformation this week is going to centre around having you build your paperless pharmacy. We've spent a lot of time in previous weeks talking about file storage, synchronisation, but... Where, where is it all going to be held? And are we still talking about files in general that also exist in paper format? All of our majority of our quality care documentation is still paper-based. So how do we actually get to that point where we put everything in digital? So we're going to go back a couple of steps and say, well, how do we create that digital environment? Obviously, from a file storage synchronization, it all works beautifully once we've got everything there. But I felt, and taking on board some comments that some of our listeners have made in the last few weeks, is that what if all of our files and documents aren't actually in digital format? So we're going to go back a few steps and start getting you down the paperless journey. So a product I'm going to talk about a lot today is called Evernote. Now, I spoke about Evernote pre-APP and probably episode two when we spoke about it as a conference tool and how we could actually store all the information that we collect at conferences in a digital environment like Evernote and how we can capture things like business cards, brochures, notes from the sessions, even audio, all of those things. But how does that apply to the pharmacy? And that's what we're going to be discussing today. So realistically, we're going to go through the four steps of transformation under the heading of paperless. So step number one being education. We've got a huge knowledge base in our heads, but also in training manuals and paper documentation that we have in our pharmacies. We may have a library of supplier information, training documentation, Quality care probably makes up a fair proportion of that. It might even be some internal things as well. We may also have documentation around incident reports that may come from aged care facilities or also internally. Plus, we've got human resource document systems. Now, I don't like human resources, so I'm going to cast that term aside. Don't even think about it. It's called people. We all have people in our businesses. So our people document systems... How do we actually do that as well? And of course, whenever we've got to capture signatures, so team signing um, contracts, confidentiality forms, you know, where do we keep all of those things and how do we make it accessible when we need it? 
The answer clearly is having a digital environment. We can all have folders on our office, in our office walls, um, on the shop floor, but in reality, if we pick a couple of things like our training materials, are those materials available for our team when they need them? If they're on the floor and they're talking, doing stock taking or they're doing merchandising and they need to refer to that training manual, it's just not practical for them to have to go grab the quality care manual, bring it out onto the floor to actually go through that. And if you go a step further back and you're inducting a new team member into your pharmacy, it could be an absolute nightmare if everything's in paper-based and they've just simply got to spend a lot of time learning or rote learning paper-based material before they can apply it in the shop floor environment. So where, where digital helps us is that we can all of a sudden, if we've got this information in digital format, we can start using that anywhere, anytime our team or ourselves we actually need that and we can share it, we can collaborate so we don't have to create multiple versions of the same things and, ever, and always wonder who had the most up-to-date copy. So that's some of the benefits that you really see about transitioning to a digital environment. Some of the other benefits that we can take from it as well as in financial documents. We may not all have bookkeepers on site or accountants that come to our pharmacies. And so they always need financial documentation. And as, you, as you'll probably appreciate a little bit to a greater level, there's not so much we can do inside 10 minutes on this podcast, but I go into a lot more detail into a brilliant case that's in the transformation book, which is coming out in August. So I hope you get a read of that because you'll get a lot more information that I'm going to be able to go through in 10 minutes today. But putting your financial documents into a digital environment all of a sudden makes the collaboration of anyone external to your business, be it a bookkeeper, an accountant, um, so much easier. And if you need to provide information to them, they can really do it on a self-serve basis and your administration costs do go down significantly. So... Step two, discovery. So what in our businesses can we actually be using this for? We spoke about a few things already, but in, in, ultimately, what, what on an everyday basis would we be using? It might be team meeting notes and putting out an agenda or some notes from our team meetings. Um, we've already spoken about how we can do that in an online environment or even through a podcast, but Ultimately, there's still some agenda items and tasks in particular that we need to do. And if we do it in a digital environment, we're able to share that with everyone. We're also able to clip news articles and information or PDFs from the internet that we might find relevant. It might be that we're doing a promotion on something like arthritis or something like um, stroke. Um, obviously, the, the big blood pressure check only just came up or even the um, kidney health one, which we're just hearing a bit about as well. Um, if you want to collect some information around a particular health condition, what a great way to do that. And you don't actually have to cut those articles out as we have done for many, many years. Also photos, if you're, doing, if you're doing a audit of the pharmacy as we're encouraged to do in quality care and doing safety checks and 
making sure that our property and property and equipment are in good order. Again, you can have photos taken of things as well. Even, for example, if you do run a hire business where you do send out wheelchairs and crutches, you can have photos before and after they come back in. So, again, it, it creates a, a great documentation. It really does um, allow a photo to tell a thousand words rather than have to write down all the defects that may exist in some of those things. Not to say that we have any defective hire equipment, but, of course, for good documentation. And of course, we've talked about financial documents and particularly also um, people management documents as well. Sometimes there's performance reviews or counselling and we need to be reminded of those things as well. So how do we do that? So that's where Evernote really comes to its, comes to its fruition. What it does is it, it, it's really non-prescriptive. And what I mean by non-prescriptive is that you're not going to go in there and it's not going to tell you what you need to put into a bunch of fields to be able to put something into what's called a database. It really is a database that you can create with anything. It's free form. You can have a note in there. You can write anything you like in there. And the beauty of it is is that it has what's called OCR technology. I won't go into the technical information, but all you need to know about that is, is it can recognize any piece of text in any media that gets stored in there as well. So if you take a photo of a document, it'll be able to search that photo for all the text in there as well. So it really can function as your external brain. So if you need to remember something about a particular team member, might be a particular supplier, you can then plug that into a search of Evernote, which can give you a search of all of your collaborative information, all of your best knowledge, all of your team's knowledge, and it can be done that way. As I spoke about in episode two, there are different levels of it. Um, You can have a very basic level, which will still do all of that, Or you can go up to even something like Evernote Business, which allows all your team to have an Evernote account and you can share and publish things to what's called a business library, in which case everyone can collaborate around the same digital copies and everything's protected. So you as a business owner are protected with all your information. So if any of those team members happen to leave your business, you can remove all of their access to your business notebooks and all of a sudden, you're away you go. But stepping a little further back, what Evernote can do is that it basically functions in notebooks. So if you've ever kept a notebook or a scrapbook yourself and been able to put information in there, text, might be clippings or whatever, it can do all of that. Plus, it's accessible anywhere, anytime, and you can input things on your iPhones, Androids, tablets, however you wish to use it. And as I spoke about in episode two, you can scan business cards. So if you've got a supply representative that comes into the pharmacy, you can just pull out your iPhone or your Android and scan their business card as well. Must add business card features coming soon for Android, not yet. But all you need to do to get your your existing information into this environment is have a scanner. And you don't need a whiz-bang scanner. Sure, I can recommend ones that work really quickly. But if you, like most pharmacies, have a multifunction photocopier or a fax, 
ultimately a lot of them already have a scanning capability and it's more than enough to get you started and you can scan these documents in there you can then dump them straight into your Evernote there are special scanners as well and I might put a few links and link back to episode 2 as well which can actually scan directly into an Evernote and all of a sudden you've then got all your best knowledge anywhere anytime you like which is a really an amazing thing there was a great there's a great story that one of it, one of our business development managers uh, that comes into our business from one of the franchise companies she's got a lot of great use out of Evernote because she's able to document all of her store visits that she's able to actually have in our in our pharmacy and all of her other pharmacies take photos write action points all on the comfort of her iPhone, and she's able to then email that to me and also um, my father, the business owner, to be able to actually follow up on those points if we weren't there when she did her store visit. So it really is a great tool, and it was able to be collaborated as well with us um, significantly. How we use it, we put a lot of it, a lot of our documentation and our libraries in there as well. So we're able to share that. We're actually running Evernote business ourselves and we're able to share that across the key management people in the team as well. Plus, we're able to archive all of our financial documents into there as well. I won't talk about Shoebox today. That one, if you want to go back to episode two, I did speak a lot about it, about for conference purposes, but realistically, it comes into its own with financial documents. So you can set up a great workflow in a nutshell where you can have your invoices entered into your point of sale and then you can literally throw your documents into an envelope if you don't like using a scanner. We use a scanner, send it to Shoebox, it'll pull out all of your relevant information that you need, put it into your accounting system for you so that your bookkeeper can then just have a look at that, verify it and accept it in. It cuts down their time and efficiency by about 90%, which is an extraordinary claim. But I can guarantee you, because we've done it in our business, it works that well. Um, And uh, it does save significant amount of time. Other things that we've used it for, we've put it together with Google Drive, which we've spoken about in uh, a previous episode, and we keep all of our um, people management documents in there as well. So we're able to then link in with another tool. And again, I'll put a link on the blog site. It's probably worth you having a bit of a look at this called DocuSign. And what that is, is that all the contracts and confidentiality forms and anything you need to get team members to get signatures of, how annoying is it that you need to actually print off a copy, get them to sign it, you sign it, then put it together. And if you want to then archive it, you've got to scan it. Well, wouldn't it be great if it was in a digital format already? And there's a great opportunity with optimizing this whole system using DocuSign where you can actually capture all the signatures digitally. It never has to be printed. And once it's signed and sealed, it goes back in the folder for storage and archiving um, in Evernote or Google Drive if you choose. But... The beauty of it is it gives you between one to two gigabytes a month, so it's heaps and heaps of storage. You'd never run out. Um, And again, it's just available anywhere, anytime. So if you have any queries of any information that you've put into your archive or your research or your best knowledge, you can access that anywhere, anytime, and your team can too. I hope you get a lot of benefit from that. Again, or we'll expand on this probably in a, in, a, in a workshop situation down the track because going paperless is a significant step in your business. It can really 
lower your operating costs significantly because everything's so findable, it's easy to do, and it can enable people to work so much more efficiently. So it probably is worth spending a lot more time, more than we can do in 10 minutes, but I hope you get a flavor of it. And if you have any questions, don't ever hesitate to drop me a line and hopefully I can help you out. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to speaking to you again next week.